Welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. City on a Hill is a Catholic young adult community located in the greater Kansas City area with a mission to inspire and form the young adult generation in their pursuit of sainthood. In each episode, we feature a young adult who will share their story of encountering Christ, some specific ways they are personally pursuing sainthood, and how they live on mission here in Kansas City. We are grateful you've decided to tap into our community and hope that you feel inspired on your personal pursuit of sainthood. Thanks for listening in, and here are your hosts. Welcome back to another episode of the City on a Hill podcast. I'm your host, Father Andrew Mattingly. Happy to welcome on our trusty co-host tonight, Taylor Downey. Welcome. Hello. Happy to be here. And our guest for today, Maddie Abbott. Maddie, welcome on the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Maddie, take us right into it. Tell (laughs) us what Jesus has done for you in your life. Yeah. Um, So I like to, when I I teach, I like to keep the end in mind and then like, Mm get back to the beginning from there. So Mm -hmm. with that, the end in mind um, is sanctity. That's it. It's the only goal that is, yeah, that is my only goal in life. Um, And then for everyone around me to be a saint as well. So with that in mind, going back to the beginning, I think that my story begins where all stories begin in the beginning. I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma and my life was spent with work and leisure. Work and leisure were the way in which we lived. And so it was cutting wood on the weekends and hauling brush and stacking it and chopping it. And Mm -hmm. then in the summers, we would garden day in and day out before we could do anything else, Mm -hmm. which instilled a really natural sense of, yeah, work and virtue within Mm -hmm. me, which was good because it gave the Lord a lot of work to supernaturalize. Um, But within that same breath, we also learned how to leisure really well on the Mm -hmm. farm. So every single night, God willing, the weather was nice. We would go stargazing as a family and call the owls. And so my entire childhood was spent looking up the Milky Way um, and pondering the like wonders of the Lord. Mm. We were a super farm style Catholic family. And so we went to mass on Sundays, prayed before meals, but it was just very much like this is the way that we live. It was awesome. Um, we also knew how to cook really good meals and like welcome people to the table, which has carried on in my life. But like any typical high schooler, so the story, sorry, this is kind of a break. Um, but the way in which my testimony works, I'm going to break it up into three chunks because that's a good way to go. So beginning, next step. Um, by the time I hit high school, I had forgotten the lessons that I learned on the farm as a child. And I began to worship myself to create idols all around me in which I excelled in school and cheer and CrossFit and sports. Anything that I could be the best in, I sought to be the best in it. But the Lord, he's so generous. He's so merciful. Um, My sophomore year of high school, I broke all the bones in my foot showing off. (laughs) I laugh now because it was such (laughs) a grace. Um, Yeah, I was showing off doing a tumbling pass and landed it, landed it perfectly. But when I got up, I was like, I just broke my foot. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but my stubborn mentality, I continued to run on that foot and to cheer on it until I couldn't anymore. Um, and then I had to sit back for the rest of the year and watch as my idols were smashed in front of me one by one. And I learned that I had nothing and I was nothing without the Lord. 
through that experience, I ended up transferring schools and making all new friends. I met friends who actually cared about me and cared about my salvation. All of the men in our friend group now are all ordained priests, which is a great, great gift. Um, but they taught me how to pray. They taught me using Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross of what a relationship with the Lord looks like, how to sit at his feet and listen to him. Following high school, I went to Benedictine because I sought to pursue the Lord. It's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to give my life to him, recognizing in a minute way how much he'd already given to me, how he had already taken so much that I had grasped onto and showed me how actually it was just a gift. It was just given to me. Um, and I know I needed to respond because I have a catchphrase. If I was an action figure, I'd have a couple of them. But one of them is every gift demands a response. And even if the response is just a thank you or a quick glance. But with the Lord, I think it's our entire life is that response. So I went to Benedictine, studied theology. Um, while I was in college, I was discerning religious life and actually I lived in a convent in South America for three and a half months, which was a tremendous gift. And the second second little nugget, which is I learned that, further learned that everything that I am is not my own. Um, every single thing is truly a gift and that we deserve nothing, not even to wake up in the morning, which is yeah, humbling to think about. But we spent our days catching tarantulas and taking care of monkeys and um, visiting the villages, riding in boats. We went on a backpacking trip. It was supposed to be four days, but it turned into seven. Um, yeah, piranhas, crocodiles, the whole gamut. Um, but every single like every single moment of that backpacking trip was spent praying, both like just silent prayer. And like verbal prayer with them, we took 16, 15 year olds with us. It was me, mother, father, and a bunch of kids. We went on this backpacking trip. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, but we would spend every single night, we would pray night prayer as a community. And as we were praying it, what kept coming up in my prayer is, Lord, like you didn't have to let us survive today. And you don't have to let us wake up in the morning, but you did let us survive today. And just this understanding that it would have been enough even if he hadn't of the tremendous giftedness of watching the incredible rainbows, like four and five of them over waterfalls and monkeys swinging from the trees. That would have been enough. It would have been enough just to like ride across the dirt and the mud for 24 hours, but it gave us more and it continues to. So coming back to the United States, um, I was struck with that reality that all of my entitlement had been bashed upon the 24-hour mudding adventure that got us to our backpacking <laughs> trip. And yeah, every, everything was a gift. Um, so I started college back again, continued to study, moved to Denver to get my master's in scripture um, with a further desire of, Lord, you've given me everything. How can I continue to give back to you? How can I continue to understand your story so that my own makes sense in light of yours? Following that, it's just been one thing after the next of me trying to create little idols and the Lord saying, no, 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 Maddie, like this belongs to me and so do you. And just again, with his gentle, merciful hand leading me back to giving it back to him. I think it's my story. <laughs> uh, uh, my first question yeah. is, where do you find a high school where you read John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and all the men in a friend group become priests? 
Yeah, that was in high ha- school actually. So oh. I went to well, no, it was it was during the time of high school. I went to a public high school. Yeah. So I think there were four Catholics in my high school with two thousand people. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Um. But I would drive my mom. She's a walking saint. She would pay for my gas for me to drive to Tulsa, which was an hour from my house, uh, and go to youth group with these people or uh, go to mass at 5.30 p.m. Um, in the downtown area Wow! on a school night. It was a <laughs> gift. Okay. okay. So when you say you, tra- you transferred high schools, that was just to another public mm-hmm. high school? Okay. Yeah, I went from gotcha. one in a farm town with like, I think I had 50 people in my class to okay. one with three or 400. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Pretty significant. It was good. <laughs> wow. Well, that sounds like pretty amazing youth group then. <laughs> the John on the Cross and Teresa Babel was on the side. A priest took ah. us and was like, I want to train you guys. I want to teach you wow. how to pray wow. on his own. <laughs> that's, that's, that's amazing. It was a gift. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Another question I have, this may go off into a, a different sort of tangent, but the stargazing thing that you mentioned yeah. reminded me of um, a friend of mine in the seminary ran across this quote uh, at a certain point in our studies there <clears throat> that I think it was read it in an article or something, but um, it was meant to be like, how do I put it? It wasn't meant to be a technical observation, but more of a thought provoking thing where basically this person said, um, the reason that people don't believe in God anymore is because they can't see the stars. Hmm. Um, and it, I, I didn't read the article myself, but I think this author went on to discuss how, you know, before modern electricity, um, the world was just much darker period. Um, and now if you grow up in a city, you don't really like recognize that until you're way outside the city. Um, and you can actually see a lot of stars. And the point he was trying to make was that like for most humans throughout world history, the vastness of what is out there and up there has been particularly noted at nighttime with the stars. And that has provoked a sense of like deep wonder and also belief that there is something, maybe a God, maybe multiple gods, but there's definitely something. Um, So I don't know. I don't know how to formulate a question from this really, <laughs> but if you have any like any insider or commentary on like this, the mm-hmm. significance of that encounter with nature in particular, mm-hmm. um, having grown up on a farm and now you live in a city, like, I don't know, thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I'm so thankful I grew up in the middle of nowhere. So, mm-hmm. so thankful. I think the answer to the question that you don't have is yes. (laughs) It's 100% yes. Um, Looking up at the stars, you realize how small you are. Mm -hmm. And you realize that, Lord, I can create a lot of things. I can do a lot of things. um, But I can't create a sky like that. Mm -hmm. And it just puts everything into perspective again. It Mm -hmm. reminds you of your place before the Creator. Which is really good. I actually picked my call. I picked Benedictine um, because I could go stargazing there. That is the hmm. reason why I picked Are you that. Wow. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, and I went stargazing every night of college too. It wow. wasn't until I moved to Denver that mm. that like habit stopped, and it was because the light pollution in Denver just yep. killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Where did you go stargazing in Atchison? 
the practice football field oh. or the Abbey Cemetery or the cemetery. Uh, you know. <laughs> Awesome. Um, it's so funny you mentioned this because I have a distinct memory. My one semester at Benedictine, some of my free afternoons and evenings, I had like a mountain bike there and I would go ride. So it was in the fall and after the corn was harvested, I would go ride through these like empty cornfields. And I have a distinct <laughs> memory of one night where <clears throat> I'd gotten finished doing that and it was, it was, it was totally dark by that point. And I laid down in this field. It was like north of, north of campus somewhere. I don't know where exactly it was. And I remember like looking up at the stars because even in even in St. Joe, where I was from, seventy five thousand people versus whatever twenty thousand, slightly more light pollution. And uh, yeah, I, I have a very distinct memory of, of looking up and like praying during, sort of during that time. And mm-hmm. at, at the time, I was wrestling with like if I should go to seminary or not. But um, anyhow. <laughs> Total ta- tangent there, but like, but I have also stargazed at in Atchison. So I yeah. taught there this um, past semester, so fall of 2021. I got mm-hmm. to teach theology there, and every mm-hmm. night when I or twice a week when I would drive back to Kansas City, mm-hmm. I would like pull off on the side of the road. Like, this is my chance. <laughs> yeah, it was a gift. Wow, that's awesome. I have definitely never heard of anybody choosing a college based on yeah. stargaze. <laughs> unique, very unique criteria you have. Yeah, yeah, that's wow. great though. Do you? No, I'm not. I'm not going to go down. There. I was going to ask about something else, but that's a tangent. Um. Uh. Yeah, I guess another theme that's pretty clear in your story is this idea that um, of like gift, you know, mm-hmm. and. The fact that we don't deserve anything from God, but he chooses to give it to us anyway, which I think is, I don't know how far down this rabbit hole we want to go, but um, I find it interesting, and maybe we talked about this on a podcast recently, I feel like there's some subtle nuance that would be helpful to clarify about some of the language people use in terms of like worthiness. So like, have we talked about this, Taylor? In a recent podcast? I wasn't here. Okay. That's the case. <laughs> um, so like there's, you know, like with the brokenness that we all experience and like ways that we've been hurt by other people and not experiencing like true unconditional love in, in our childhood or like different things that can skew, you know, a person's view of God. Um, I find that a lot of, in like a lot of Catholic circles today, there's a lot of phrasing and and wording of things that says like I had to discover that I was like worthy of love, you know, um, and I think that can be true if it's understood correctly, but I think it can be easily misunderstood to mean I deserve love, which is different mm-hmm. because then when you when you put in this this system of like like a justice like there's an equality between me and God and like I deserve his love, then you destroy what you're describing, which is the reality that everything from him is gratuitous. Like there's, there's no, there's no equality. There's no deserving. It's all, it's all a gift. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it ruins the fun too, you know, like that, like that's, (laughs) that's the good, that's the good news of Christianity. Like it's all a gift, you know, that we don't deserve. I think there's a good way to say worthy of love. 
that that kind of you know means something else but anyhow i don't know if you've thought about this you've clearly thought a lot about like everything as a gift and and uh, you know and how wonderful that is and but i don't know if you have anything to add to that yeah first of all i think it goes back to our creation of Mm -hmm. that you have to come with and not in a negative harsh sense but you have to come to grips with the fact that the lord didn't need to create me Mm -hmm. um he didn't need to he didn't need maddie abbott for him to be perfect um because he already is yeah and if i were to assert myself like that i would be saying that god is something that he is not Mm -hmm. um so first with that reality that my very being, he didn't have to give, but he did. Yeah. And from that starting point, then then I think you have to go further into who you are of another hard reality that I'm creature, that I'm creature and he's creator. Um, and before the father, I'm a daughter and that's crazy, incredible reality, but I'm still creature mm-hmm. and I can't become God. Um, and to claim equality with God would again be that removal of me as creature and like kind of thrusting myself up. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. 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 That makes what you just said makes me think of like, there's a famous instance uh, in the life of Catherine of Siena where like God speaks to her and, and he's like, daughter, um, do you know who I am and who you are? Um, she's like, tell me. He's like, I am he who is, and and sh- you are she who is not. <laughs> you know, just yes. just like this radical, yeah, this r- radical recognition that like God is pure being, He is sufficient unto Himself, and He doesn't need us, but He wanted us, and that's way better. <laughs> yeah, you know, like that's much more exciting and adventurous and wonderful. Um, so anyhow, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's, yeah, I think one more point on it too. I think they can be easy to forget the Lord's generosity in the midst Mm. of getting wrapped around our own sufferings or, Mm. um, shortfallings that we see in the world. And I don't know who said it. So quote without quoting them. Um, somebody said like when you're in heaven, you can look back and see that it was heaven all along the way. Mm. Um, and I think that and this sounds kind of grit like, but that sort of mentality in the midst of every single thing that we're invited to go into mm. of that the Lord gave it to us, that he mm-hmm. permitted situations to happen in our life. Mm-hmm. And so can we receive them as gift from him and receive the lessons that he wants to teach us to be more fully his in mm-hmm. the midst of them? Because even they are gifts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really where Christianity gets like a lot of its edge. If, if you can, <laughs> if you can see, start to see suffering as as a gift, then yeah. you're like, you're really figuring it. You're really getting it, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it's awesome. putting to words. I feel like I've had several conversations. I feel like the winter time, hard things happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it propels us into Lent. Um, but so I feel like I've had a lot of conversations lately where people have been just like struck by the suffering that they're encountering, mm-hmm. and yeah, you do see a couple schools of thought that they can kind of fall into two categories of someone who is grateful for the opportunity to suffer and to offer up their sickness or, uh, yeah, another hardship they might be encountering. Or you have someone 
who can't fathom a God who would allow such a thing. Like they deserve so much better. So yeah, putting those things to, to word and finding that um, tension of, of gift and of suffering, mm-hmm. I think is a unique place that can be hard, especially for secular culture to, to wrap their head around. Mm-hmm. But for, um, mm-hmm. I think, or I'm sure it's mentioned other places, but in Benedict XVI's homily on Luigi Giussani, he um, compares his life to living the reality of the crucified risen Lord. Mm-hmm. And I've just been reflecting on that little nugget of a phrase, <laughs> the reality of the crucified risen Lord. Like that is our life. If we're a Christian, then we're <laughs> literally a little Christ. So therefore I must also be crucified and risen all at the same time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Do you like hyphenate it? Like the crucified mm-hmm. hyphen risen Lord? Mm. Something like that. What is okay. all one phrase? No, it's, it's, okay. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> interesting. It's, that is interesting. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Like you were saying, Taylor, this sort of like suffering as a fork in the road, you know, you can choose yeah. to be angry or you can choose to embrace it. And if choosing the route of anger or or sadness, mm-hmm. then it's like I think one of the distinctive uh, things that happens there is kind of a, a loss of, how do I put it, if uh, – a forgetfulness mm. of Jesus on the cross because mm. it's like you, usually when somebody how could God let this happen you know how could this suffering happen usually I think the God they have in their mind is just some sort of like I don't know aloof aloof God that is just out there mm-hmm. they're not thinking of like the God on the cross because otherwise it would be kind of silly in a sense or it would be less easy to say like how could he let this happen if the God I'm thinking of is like that bloody bruised and beaten man yeah. <laughs> on the cross, you know, like yeah. he's, he's gone through it himself. So, right. um, but I think there's a temptation there too, to be like, he's already suffered enough for all of us, you know? Mm. Um, and like, forget that, like we are invited to imitate that yep. same Christ too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're getting so deep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Maddie, tell us some way that you are trying currently to pursue the Lord. Yeah, um, I've been I've added to my typical rule of life um, every single week. I've added the goal or intention of doing a an act of generosity and an act of courage hmm. of and every single week, like praying through those of asking the Lord, what do you want these acts to be this week? Mm-hmm. And then making them intentional for other people. That's shifted my mindset hmm. drastically. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Can, you, can you give us an example yeah. of oh, a generosity and example of courage? Acts of courage. So this has only started in the past like couple of weeks. So it's okay. still pretty fresh, <laughs> still pretty new. Okay. Um, the acts of courage have usually been conversations, difficult conversations mm. with people, mm. um, which can be easy to shy away from and be like, oh, it'd oh, yeah. be better not to. So I think all of the weeks thus far. Um, and then acts of generosity, it's been relating to apostolate too, of like intentionally pouring into my roommate. So how can I make her dinner? How can I think about what she needs before she needs it? Mm. Um so far, that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So do you kind of like on a Sunday night or something, do you kind of look at the week ahead and you're like, okay, I need to pick something for each of these categories? 
Yeah, Sunday night I take time um, in, in my planner. It's got to be paper, nice and tangible. Oh, yeah. Um, I write out my rule of life for every day, and then underneath it, it says act of generosity, act <laughs> of courage, and then just like a period of time, I'm like, Lord, what do you want <laughs> this week? Sometimes <laughs> he doesn't answer till Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So you give it a little time on Sunday to ponder, and maybe something comes to mind, maybe something doesn't, but throughout the week, you're sort of on the lookout for exactly your opportunity that's great i'm sure that spills over it's probably bleeds over into maybe other small ways too it's probably not just one act of generosity but creating a whole habit of generosity that was that was the desire when i um yeah when i was asking the lord what to add to Mm. this year that was the desire to make generosity and courage like greater virtues Mm -hmm. in my day in and day out Mm -hmm. and so with the intentional of doing of one. Yeah, exactly. You do so many because it comes habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did you choose those two? Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with generosity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, to put it lightly. To put yeah. it lightly, it's an obsession. <laughs> yeah, I've been struck in the past two years by the generosity of other people <laughs> um, in small and large ways. And last year, it really came to the forefront that that was a virtue that I really desire to have in my life, um, to be able to give so freely and Mm -hmm. to give out of abundance and not like Mm -hmm. I've excessive anything, but with a mindset of abundance of everything's from the father, therefore everything should be given, um, which creates a freedom in the way that I can Mm -hmm. live for others Mm -hmm. and a freedom that they can live with me. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it began. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Ignatius of Loyola's prayer for generosity, that's hmm. a good nugget. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Huh. I can't quote it. <laughs> we, can, we can maybe add it to the uh, show notes. The notes, yeah. Um, that's awesome, Maddie. You know, that kind of goes back to your theme of like everything's a gift from God. Well, then I, I just have to like transfer that on to other people. Mm-hmm. Be a gift too. Yeah. That's such small and tangible ways like – I think I often fall into temptation when setting goals for the year. Mine would be something along the lines of, I'm going to have an act of courage and generosity every day, (laughs) which like is so not realistic if I haven't been particularly seeking to grow in that. And so, yeah, doing it weekly. uh, Yeah. Preparing for that weekly, setting the frame for that weekly. I'm sure you go back and fill it in weekly of what it specifically was um, is beautiful and simple and like very approachable way to approach growth and virtue whatever fill in the blank someone else may have an entirely different set of virtues or a virtue that they would like to grow in so thanks for sharing that witness of course (laughs) great well tell us maddie some way that you're trying to spread the gospel yeah um so back to the beginning, mm. um, my only desire is to be a saint and for everyone around me to be a saint too. Mm-hmm. And so the way in which I'm spreading the gospel, it, similarly with that good old page in my planner, um, I pick intentionally three to five people every single week and pray and fast for them and then work on, if the Lord provides the opportunity, work on little ways to send them invitations as well mm. of like, how can I... Yeah, invite them to pray or invite them to mass. Sometimes it's coworkers, sometimes mm. it's roommates or neighbors or friends. That's, that's it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Free invitations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I like that you're building it on the um, 
the hidden work, you know, of prayer and prayer and sacrifice, prayer and fasting, because otherwise it's kind of pointless. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, no, that's 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 wonderful. Um, is that something that you've been focused on in years past too? Okay. It's been probably like four or five years now oh, wow. at this point. But you've mm-hmm. had that that same weekly habit. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's awesome. What uh, is there? Let me phrase this question: Is there a particularly memorable mm-hmm. week during those four years where it's like, man, like every one of these invitations or every one of these people like really, really needed like my encouragement or just some time together or I don't know. I think one week that was in particular, it was sometime during the crazy COVID lockdown. Mm. Um, And I had written down that week to just neighborhood. It was just Mm. one word neighborhood. (laughs) Um, And in Denver, I lived in the Catholic ghetto. It was awesome. Um, but we that week we decided, me and my roommates decided to walk around and just get to know our neighbors, ones we mm-hmm. didn't know yet. Mm-hmm. And we ended up doing a little rosary walk procession around mm-hmm. the neighborhood in which tons of other families like were out <laughs> waving and joining us along. <laughs> but getting to know our neighbors that did seem more gruff and mm-hmm. um, untouchable, how yeah. how much they enjoyed just a hello and a how are you doing, it was a good week. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Do you ever, last, going off in a different direction now, with the encountering God in nature, um, in your apostolic efforts in the past, has that been a theme of like, or a desire to bring people to encounter God like in nature? Yeah, absolutely. Um, In college, I would invite all sorts of people to go stargazing. Oh, yeah. Um, some people didn't really enjoy it in December because it was kind of <laughs> cold. Yeah. But um, inviting someone to see a meteor shower, oh, yeah. and especially someone who hasn't seen one before, the looks hmm. on their eyes are really the sounds that they make as they're looking up. What? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say yes, but it's just because it's part of my normal life. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's getting to invite another just mm-hmm. to live life with me normally, yeah. which doesn't require a lot of forethought. True. So, Maybe not virtue there. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it's, yeah, virtue. I mean, to really be virtues is something that is done easily, right? So mm. maybe it is virtue. <laughs> it's just been there for a long time. 25 years strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's great. It's interesting to think about the avenues for encountering Jesus that exist and like which ones are maybe more accessible in general to like sort of our generations that don't really know the Lord or which ones might be more accessible to a particular person, you know? And and I think like having an encounter with something bigger than you in nature is something that even for like our peers who don't believe in God is something that I tend to notice is appreciated, you know, like Mm -hmm. a lot of our peers, they might not practice a faith or or believe in God, but they do, I think on a, just a gut level, like recognize that there's something bigger than themselves when they Mm -hmm. like spend time hiking in the mountains or, you know, fill in the blank. Um, so I don't know. It seems like a, 
maybe a potentially very fruitful avenue for evangelization, you know. Mm-hmm. It's enjoyable. I remember um small one time uh, when when I was in Guyana and we were on this backpacking trip, one of the girls who I've been working with the entire summer who was as hard as a rock. She was so difficult. I love her so much. I still pray for her. Um, but she came on this trip and we were I had invited her to go stargazing with me, among others, that evening. And it happened to be a meteor shower. Mm-hmm. And we were on top of Kaitcher Falls, which were these huge waterfalls in um, the middle of Guyana. And so the roaring of the water and then the stars just shooting above us. The next day she came to me as we were, like, walking down the mountain. Um, and she's like, can I just talk? And I'm like, please, absolutely. <laughs> and it was the walls, the walls came down. She mm. was like, you're getting ready to leave. Like, how do I continue to like live mm. as you lived this summer? Mm. Um, I hope and pray she's still leading those women who she wanted to, but mm-hmm. it was, yeah, that touch with nature, that yeah. humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big deal. Particularly if you can get somebody away from their, their phone for <laughs> even just like two hours yes. <laughs> to be in nature. <laughs> yeah. No, this has been great, Maddie. Thank, thank you. you. Father. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It was a gift. <laughs> Good. I think you've only been in Kansas City. I met you and it was really cold out. Was it last January or February? I moved at the end of February. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've been here not quite a year. Not yet. quite a year. <laughs> coming up on your one year anniversary. Well, we're happy to have you. I know that it's been uh, a great gift to see you integrate into all of the different pieces and communities that you're a part of with catholic charities and getting to go back to your benedictine roots and so yeah it's been a gift to meet all the people on fire for the lord in kansas city it was you heard rumors about it all the way from denver and then to get to encounter and hear and love and be loved by all of them Hmm. it's a gift we're glad to have you too everything's a gift right (laughs) so it's all a gift it's all a gift okay well thank you all for tuning into this episode of the city and hill podcast we hope you join us next time Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the City on a Hill podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss another exciting episode or leaving a review which may help others find the podcast and be inspired on their pursuit of sainthood. Check out our website at kansascityonahill.org and consider joining us at one of our upcoming events. Be assured of our prayers for you and for all young adults in the Kansas City area. God bless.